0: Romans 14, Romans chapter 14 and verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth uh, to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's now let us pray our father thank you for the word of God and for this opportunity to preach tonight and Lord I realize that I'm unworthy to stand before your people tonight but Lord I desire to please you and to be a vessel that you could fill and use cleanse me God of every sin empower me with the Holy Spirit give me understanding Lord and help me to be a blessing and a help to the people of God tonight do for us, Lord, that we cannot do for ourselves. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to I speak to you on, a, on a, uh, a basic subject tonight, on when is something a sin? One of the responsibilities of a preacher is to preach against sin. Uh I've told you about uh I can't remember which president it was now but uh, some years ago uh, one of the presidents we had his little boy uh, went to church and he came back and the president asked him what did the preacher preach about he said he preached about sin said what did he say about sin said he's again it and uh You know, that ought to be true of every man of God, of every preacher. Uh, It ought to be known that the preacher is against sin because God's against it. And if God's against it, we ought to be against it. We ought to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. God hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he does not love the sin. And uh, certainly, we need to understand what sin is and we ought to do our best to avoid it. The Bible said in Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Now, when I was growing up as a boy, preachers preached that certain things were sin, but today they're no longer sin. Our preachers does not say they're sin. Now may I say tonight that if it was sin then, it's sin now. And if it's not sin now, it wasn't sin then. Because God does not change His word and His stand on sin to fit the circumstances or the condition of the age. God's ways are always right. And certainly uh, God says there's a woe upon those that call evil good and good evil. God said, My woe or my judgment is upon those who call evil good and good evil. In other words, who do not say something a sin when it is a sin. Isaiah 58 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sin. You want to have scripture for loud preaching? There it is. Isaiah 58, 1. Cry loud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. One fellow was praying real loud, you know. Another fellow said, he said, God is not hard of hearing. You don't have to scream and holler. He responded, he said, God is not nervous either. God isn't bothered that I'm praying loud. Now, I don't think it's how loud you pray or how loud you preach. That's important. The important thing is that the truth be presented and be preached. So, God said that, uh, show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob, their sins. We need to be reminded of that because by nature we become complacent and uh, uh, the devil is, is a, a master deceiver and little by little by little he wears us down until we give in to that which is wrong. Now the Lord said about the Holy Spirit in John sixteen eight, and when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Spirit of God, one of His jobs is to reprove of sin. Now, when is something a sin? First of all, something is a sin when it's condemned by God's Word. Now, the Word of God is the final authority. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't make any difference what I think about it, what I say about it, what anyone else thinks about it. If God says something's wrong, then it's wrong. God's Word is the final authority. Now, we've forgotten that. We've got away from that. And, uh, uh, you know, people make, they become their own authority on what's right and wrong. Well, they say, it may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. Now, we'll get to that in a moment. That depends on what you're talking about. I mean, murder is wrong for anybody, right? That make any difference. Person may say, "Well, I, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with murder. Does that make it? Does that make it all right? No, it doesn't. The fact that a person may may see nothing wrong with it, and that's a favorite phrase that is used today. I don't see anything wrong with what I'm doing. You know, that's uh, a problem. Is uh, there's a problem when we can't see our wrong? It becomes a problem, but." Uh, uh, wrong, if God's word is clear on it, if God says it's sin, then it's sin. It's just like this abortion issue. I mean, to me, if I know someone's running for political office, if I'm aware they're for abortion, I'm against them. That's just my position. Say, well, you're a one-issue man. Well, that's a pretty big issue, and you talk about killing, uh, killing uh, innocent life and unborn life. That's a major issue in my mind. But we have people on both. They say, well, I don't think anything's wrong with it. That don't make it any less a sin. The fact that a person says there's nothing wrong with it. When God's Word says it's wrong, it's wrong. 1 John 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. Now, the Bible said sin was in the world before the law but the law of God made it clear. It, be, uh, it was reckoned, it became a transgression of the law of God when God gave the law. And the law spells out for us there are two categories of sin, thy shalt not and thy shalt." Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, him only shalt thou serve, and uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, thou shalt not commit adultery, and so forth. God said, These are things you're not to do. Don't do these things. We call those sins of commission. When you commit a sin that God says, Don't do it, then there are sins of omission. Honor thy father and mother, and remember the Sabbath day, and so forth. Those sins of omission where God said these are the things you are to do. And every single one of those commandments are brought right over into the New Testament except the Sabbath day which is Saturday and we're not bound to that law but we come together on the Lord's day. And certainly I believe we ought to remember the Lord's day. But all those commandments are carried right over in the New Testament. And the Bible said, therefore, the him that knoweth to do good and doeth to not timid is sin. So sin is a transgression of the law of God. And God's word spells out what is right, what we're supposed to do and what we're uh, not supposed to do. And uh, if we transgress that, then we sin. Romans 3.23 said, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All have sin. That means we've gone over. We transgress and come short. We've fallen short. It's just like you were shooting at a target. And your first shot, you go about 10 yards beyond the target. Say you're shooting a, a bow and an arrow. The second shot, you're about ten yards uh, in reaching the target. That's about the way I shoot. (laughs) But uh, uh, you miss the mark both times. God said all of sin and come short of the glory of God. What's he saying? That we've transgressed. We went beyond. We've committed sins of commission. We went beyond what God said that we're not to do. And we've come short. We've not done what God told us to do. So therefore, we are a transgressor of the law. And all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And so, something's a sin when it's condemned by the Word of God. If God's Word says, don't do it, then it's a sin to do it. If God's Word says, do it, it's a sin not to do it. Now, that's simple enough, isn't it? Something's a sin when it's condemned by God's Word. Now, let's move along. Not only that, but something is a sin when it's doubtful. Now, in our text here, I didn't read these verses, but in verse 22 and 23 of Romans 14, He said, Hast thy faith, have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself and that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now this brings us into another category. If there is doubt, don't do it. If you have a question in your mind about it, then God says if you go ahead and do it without faith, then you sin even though the thing itself may not necessarily be sin. Now he talks in, in, in this chapter and in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about the weak brother and, and uh, uh, about one that is weak and, and he believes you don't need any meat and another said doesn't see anything wrong with it and uh, he said whether you eat it, don't eat it, don't make any difference. But if, if, he, if, he, if it's not a faith, he that doubteth is damned to ye because he is not a faith, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. That's a good rule to live by. If you have doubts about it, don't do it. In fact, this is a good rule in making decisions. Should I change jobs? Should I buy this car? Should I buy this house? Should I marry this boy or this girl or date this boy or this girl? If you don't have peace about it, if there's doubt, if there's question marks coming in your mind, that's a good sign. You better stay away most of the time. God said whatsoever is not of faith, it's sin. And so if you have question marks about it, then don't do it. Now there are legitimate questions that sometimes people ask me questions about. Do you think this is wrong? And the Bible—they may not—they may not be familiar enough with the Bible to know what God's word says about it. And I may be able to take the word of God and show them from the Bible: this is what the word of God says about this matter. And in that case, that's the final word. But let's say the word of God does not deal with it specifically. I mean, the Word of God doesn't tell you where to drive a Ford or a Chevrolet as I know of uh, or a farm-made car or something like that. I mean, it doesn't deal with that, does it? I haven't found the, uh, the, 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 the verse anywhere. Someone said, well, the Bible says, uh, says you're not supposed to fly an airplane. He said, why is that? Because he said, the Bible said, lo, I am with you. all the way even to the end of the world that's, that's, that's what's all taking scripture out of context but uh, it's kind of like this fellow you know he, uh, he was going to uh, fly an airplane fellow said, uh, said uh, I want you to fly an airplane he said no I'm not going to fly an airplane he said well I, you're a Christian yes I'm a Christian and when it comes your time to go you're going that's right comes my time to go I'm going but uh, he said, well, why, uh, what's your problem? Why don't you want to fly an airplane? He said, there's one thing you hadn't figured. We get up in that airplane, it may be your time to go. <laughs> but anyway, when, when, there's, when there's doubt, don't do it. If there's a question about it, if you can't do it in faith, you can't do it in unconscious and, and have peace about the matter, then don't do it. Well, others are doing it. Well, they, they may not be doing right either. If you pattern your life after others, you may, you may miss the boat many times. That brings us to another point, and that is something's a sin when it's offensive. In verse 20 and 21, he says, of Romans 14, For meat, Destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Now what was happening there is that uh, there was meat that was being offered in sacrificed idols. Now the the Gentiles, they worshipped false gods. They worshipped idol gods. And they killed their sacrifice and offered the blood and certain parts of the sacrifice as an offering to these false gods. And then they sold the meat. What was left over, you could buy the meat at a a reduced price. So some of the early Christians were going there to the Gentile markets and buying this meat that had been offered in sacrifice to these idols. And other Christians, they were saying, I don't think that's right. I mean, they've been they've been buying this meat, uh, and that meat's been dedicated to a false god, and and uh, we believe that's wrong. Well, now, what what's the difference? Uh, these false gods were no gods really, uh, and uh, uh, I mean, a stake is a stake, right? Where some heathens uh, prayed over it or not? But. Uh, uh, there was nothing wrong with the meat, nothing wrong with eating the meat. But he goes on and he said, if it's offended, if, if you wound your, the conscience of your weak brother, then it's wrong for you to do that. Now in 1 Corinthians 8, if you turn over there, 1 Corinthians 8, he deals with, uh, with the same issue We'll not read the whole chapter. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, let me begin with verse 7. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. Now he talks about, uh, verse 4, he talks about the idols, nothing. Uh, For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, it is a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hath knowledge set at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him that is which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. For when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Now there you have it. There you have the principle. Nothing wrong with the meat. Nothing wrong with eating the meat. But if it, if it hindered, if it was a hindrance to a weaker brother and hindered their spiritual growth or maybe hindered some lost person from coming to Christ, then it becomes a sin. There's things that I could participate in that are not sinful of themselves. But if it's an offense to a weaker brother or an offense to a lost man, then I'm to refrain from doing that. It becomes a sin. So, if it's doubtful or if it's offensive, God said don't do it. Not only that, but something's a sin when it's harmful. First of all, to the body. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we are body conscious, I guess, I think too much so probably in this day. Uh, You know, there in the Garden of Eden, after man's sin, God said, By the sweat of your face, you'll earn your your living, your bread. And uh, for nearly 6,000 years, we've been trying to invent ways to keep from sweating. They say women perspire and men sweat. But uh, anyway, we, uh, we don't like that, do we? And we've, could, we've tried to invent ways to keep from working. having to earned a living by the sweat of our face. And so people sat in an office and they don't have to sweat, got air conditioning. But when they get off work, they have to go run for a half hour and sweat, right? Or get on an exercise bike and, and exercise. And we've learned... That if you don't do it, it's harmful. If you don't exercise, and all this is harmful. So we're kind of getting back to where we started, it looks like. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, this point can be stretched a long ways. But I believe if we intentionally take things into our body that harms the body and, and uh, uh, hinders us from being the vessel that God wants us to be, then it's wrong. And he deals with this in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now he says, you're the temple of God. Now what is the temple? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you'll turn the page, And verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God owns all of us. He lives in our spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, but he also owns our bodies. And we are to present our body, the Bible said in Romans 12, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God. So, we're to take care of these bodies. Now some are beginning to worship the body. And uh, uh, this new age movement, they, they place a, a lot of emphasis upon the body. And in spite of all you can do, the old body is going to die. You know, I don't care what you do. You can exercise just, er, er, just like you're supposed to and eat everything just like you're supposed to eat, and, and ain't nothing wrong with that. But uh, you can do all that and you'll still die sooner or later. Now, you may live longer if you take care of your body. And I think we ought to take care of our body. And overeating's a sin, preacher. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Have you, have you ever eaten and you're just miserable? Have you ever eaten so much you just, you just know you've eaten too much? And you're all blowed up and puffed up and, and, uh, and you know that's not good for you. Sometimes I do that. And that's not right. That harms the body and it's not good for us. And I believe it's wrong. If it harms our body, it becomes wrong. You know, God is building warning signals in our body, kind of an alarm system that lets us know, uh, you know, when, we, when we've done wrong. I preach the message on fasting. Do you realize that we, most of us don't fast, but we really ought to on a regular basis? Dr. J. Harold Smith, who was a medical doctor before God saved him, called him to preach. He said, if you do not fast regularly, your body will force you to fast. You ever get a virus? You go up the doctor and says you got a virus. That means he don't know what's wrong with you, but you'll probably be better in three or four days or dead one. And uh, uh, everything's a virus. Sometimes I wonder if it's not our, our, our signal going off and says, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to shut down for a few days, you know. I mean, our digestive system at all will, will shut itself down and rest. You know, there's a lot of the Bible is, is practical and for our own benefit like God says about the Sabbath day. Again, we're not bound to the Sabbath as far as the law goes. But you know we'd be better off if we rested one day out of seven, wouldn't we? And be healthier, I'm sure, as far as. He said, man was not made for the, or the uh man was not made for the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath for man. In other words, God said, I set it up for your benefit. And uh, uh so he, he made man, then he made the Sabbath, not vice versa. Then drinking. If you uh uh, if you drink, anybody drinks alcohol. I mean, it just uh, it burns their insides. You know what it's saying. The signal is going off and said, "Don't do that. That's harmful. Don't do that to the body." I don't believe a Christian ought to smoke. Some of you smoke. Not many of you. I don't. I don't have many of you smoke. I'm not going to have you stand up, but. Uh, but I used to smoke, and I've been where you're at. And I know all the feelings and all, all that goes with it. But if you can remember the first time you ever, you ever smoked, what happened? I mean, you cough, and your head swims, and, and uh, it's the alarm signal going off and saying, this is not good for the body. I don't believe a person go to hell if they smoke. Someone said you just smell like you've been there, but uh, that's not very kind. is it? But uh, uh, but I do believe I do believe that it harms the body, and uh, so if it harms the body, uh, if if the medical science is right, they've proven that I think you know they've proven the fact that that it is harmful. And so, I could go on and on talking about a lot of things that we may do that, uh, that harm the body. And if it harms, if it hinders, if it hinders us physically, then we oughtn't to do it. And to be trodden underfoot of men. God says, you're salt. What's salt good for? Well, it's give you high blood pressure. That's my wife. <laughs> uh, some people, you know, they just, they just like their food. Uh, I think Brother Thomason's talking about this <laughs> recently. So they just they just like their food white. I mean, they want a white layer on top of it with salt. Now, that's not good. For, I don't like it that way. I don't like too much salt. I, I mean, I like some, but I don't want too much. I just want enough. And, uh, but... Uh, He compares compares the believer to salt. Salt gives flavor, many things. I got a message I preach on salt. It makes you thirsty and a lot of spiritual truth connected with it. But uh, if salt has lost its saltness, its savor, really it's not worth anything. If you can't use it to salt, that's all salt's good for is to be salty. And if it loses that, then it becomes worthless. And God said the greatest thing we have in this life as a Christian is our testimony. And I want to tell you something tonight, folks. The devil can't get your soul, despite what some preachers tell you. If you're a child of God, if you're saved, the devil can't touch you. He can't get your salvation. But i tell you one thing, he can destroy your testimony. And that's what he's after more than anything in the world. Now, if you're not doing anything, you're not witnessing, you're not trying to get anybody else to come to church, you never invite anyone to church, you never witness anybody, you never give out any tracts, you never do anything for God, you never testify anyway. Now, the devil, he do not worry about you. You may be saved, and he's lost you to the Lord. But he doesn't have to worry about you, you know, because you're not going to affect anyone else. You see, the devil's number one desire is to take us to hell and if he loses that battle, we get saved. Then his next desire is to say, I lost them, but I don't want them to influence anyone else. He don't want us, and he's got most folks exactly where he wants them because we're not having much effect, but we ought to. We ought to be having an effect on other people. And God said if the salt, has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? How are you going to salt salt? It's good for nothing. God says you don't benefit by kingdom if 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 you don't have a testimony. Guard your testimony. Preachers have lost their testimony. When a man of God loses his testimony, he don't have anything left. He's finished. What a guard our testimony for their very life. And so if something harms their testimony, don't do it. Whatever it may be, if it harms their testimony, by the way, that's the main reason I quit smoking years ago. If I asked you tonight, if I still smoked, would it make a difference? What would you say? Yes, it would. You see my point, don't you? The point is that I, that I would be hindered in the ministry if I smoked. And therefore, God moved on my heart many years ago and, and before I ever started preaching, in fact, and, uh, and took it away, and I'm thankful for it. But if it harms our testimony, then it won't do it. And you can apply this principle to many, many areas of life. I've just named two or three here. But you, could, you can apply it to, to the broad issues uh, of life. If it hurts our testimony for Christ, then don't do it. Whatever it is, if it's a hindrance to our testimony, then don't do it. And then the final thing I'll mention is, and uh, if it's dishonoring to the Lord, don't do it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We go to the wilds each year with some of the young people. And they always quote this verse before every meal. Always uh, have a prayer, sometimes sing a psalm. Always quote that verse. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What a wonderful verse to live by. You know, if we'd follow that truth, if we look at our life and search our life, there may be some things we'd put away. Does this glorify God? Don't be like the preacher I heard about some years ago. He said whatever, he took that and he said, Where, whether you eat or drink, do all the glory of God. So he said, I'm getting drunk to the glory of God. And he'd get drunk to the glory of God. Now, that's almost blasphemy, really. That's not what that verse says not talking about you sin to the glory of God. That's impossible. You cannot sin to the glory of God because sin dishonors God always. He's talking about our actions, our eating, our drinking, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21, But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What a wonderful promise. God said we're to purge ourselves from some things that we might be a vessel that God can use. Whatever we do, we ought to do it to the glory of God. That's the reason a man ought to, if you work on a job, you ought to do your best. Well, they don't pay me what I'm worth. They may not. But you're really not working for them. You're working for Jesus. Your first responsibility is to God. My first responsibility is to God. And I'll just tell you something tonight. I don't think I'd work for anybody as hard as I work for God. I wouldn't wouldn't put in the hours I put in. God deserves our best, doesn't he? He's worthy of our best. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We ought to have a good testimony. You know, a Christian should not have a testimony of being lazy. You work on a public job, you ought to have a good testimony on that job that you do do good work. You do your best. You do a good job. You don't loaf. You You don't waste time. You don't steal from the company. Carry out in your lunchbox things from the company. You will not believe the people to do that. Sometimes I meet folks out on visitation. You try to win them to God and they say, well, I know this fellow works in me and me he's supposed to be a Christian, but he'll fall off the handle and get mad and cuss like the devil. He says he's a Christian. I'm just as much a Christian as he is. I don't claim to be a Christian. You see what I'm saying? Or a man loaves around, and every time the boss man's head's turned, he's goofing off and and not working. He He ruins his testimony. He dishonors Christ, and that's sin that's wrong. time people they say well I was was reading my Bible you read your Bible on your time not the company's time man ought to read his Bible do all those sort of things but the time that the employer is paying you to work you work give, give a good day's work and then uh when, you, when I was working, I, uh, I was working on a public job and uh, uh, I didn't want to sit around with other fellows and listen to them cuss and tell dirty jokes. So I just worked in a furniture factory and I just climbed off of myself and got my testament out and began to read the Bible. They started calling me a preacher. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher at that time. But, uh, you know, they, they began to respect me. They began to see that it was real, that I just wanted, you know, had religion for a week or two and it'd be gone. But I meant business. God help us to honor Jesus Christ on the job, in the home, in the community, or wherever we're at. That we bring honor to Jesus Christ by our actions. That ought to be our first and foremost concern. Am I honoring the Lord? And if it dishonors the Lord, we ought not to do it. Even though what we're doing, may God's word may not definitely say, don't do that. If it dishonors the Lord, if it brings a shame to his name, we ought not to do it or if it hinders their testimony, if it's an offense, it may keep someone from Christ or it may hinder a weaker brother uh, from, uh, uh, from being a good, solid Christian. We need to be careful. We wound not their weak conscience. If God's Word definitely says it's wrong, then there's no question about that. But when he's talking about doubtful things, things that God's Word does not address specifically, although most everything really, the Bible may not speak to it directly, but the principle of the Word of God is there. Uh, If we'll just become familiar with the Bible and follow it. Okay, let's bow our heads.